give us vision. Lord, give us vision. Give us vision for this year. Give us vision for our lives. Give us vision for our church. Give us vision. You know, that's been my prayer recently is that the Lord would just renew us. There are moments where we move through our personal lives and even the corporate life of the church where we just need renewal. We need renewal. We need revival. We need maybe a recasting of vision, a rebranding. It's so important. And I think that we're on that day. We're at that moment where we just pray, Lord, give us vision. Give us vision for our lives. Give us vision for our church. I hope that's your prayers. We talk about vision. What is vision? Well, vision is being able to see what God sees in our future. It's the ability to see what God is wanting to accomplish in our lives. It's like seeing through God's eyes what he is wanting to do. That every person, that every individual that's here, that's called a child of God, that every believer has a plan and God has a vision. And for us to be able to see that and hear that, Dr. Reggie Oje, which was my mentor in some ways at New Orleans Seminary, he used to say that vision is what God wants to do if we'll just get out of the way and let him do it in our lives. I always loved the way he said that because vision is something that God wants to accomplish. And sometimes we've got to step back and say, God, here I am, and we want your spirit to be so active in our lives to accomplish this work. It's so important to have vision. Helen Keller, some years ago, was asked, what's worse than being blind? And she said, let me tell you, it's having sight, but no true vision of your life. And for us, we've got to have vision in who we are and what is accomplished, even in the church's life. Remember that text from Proverbs, which says, where there is no vision, the people perish. Rick Warren put it this way. He said, where the, there is no vision, the people perish or they will move to another parish. In other words, they'll find another place. I actually like the translation. I think it's a better translation of that text, which says this. Where there is no revelation, the people cast off restraint. That where there's no revelation, like something that's being revealed to them, that the people just cast off restraint. In other words, there's a connection between vision and and revelation. If we were to have vision in our lives, it is because God has revealed himself to us in a bold way. We have his scripture that shows us his revelation. Look, when I've been looking for vision, been praying about this, been working on this sermon series for this new year, I recognized I didn't have to come up with vision. I didn't have to produce it. I didn't have to get creative of trying to find vision because vision has already been stated in God's word. The vision of your life and the vision of the church is captured perfectly in his revelation. So all I've got to do is come here. Now it's important that we communicate it properly. And sometimes we want to be creative and we need to rebrand, as I said, and recast ourselves. For example, this year, you'll see a new temple logo that we'll use. I think they've got it and they put it on the screen. This is a new temple logo that we're going to use to remind us that this is a new moment in our life, a new moment in the church's life, and we want to transition and we want to just see ourselves renewed. But hey, we're not going to just get renewed because we got a new logo. We're going to get renewed because we catch the vision of what Christ has for us. 
and what we see in his revelation. It is so important that we see God's vision. Now, I will tell you, I struggled a little bit on the sermon series title, Lord, Give Us Vision. Why did I struggle? Because of what I just told you. He's already given us vision. It's already in Scripture. It's already right before us. So like when I was praying that, Lord, give us vision, there was a part of me that said, well, he's already given us vision. Why are we, why are we praying such? Well, I think the sermon series title reflects my understanding of 2 Kings chapter 6. 2 Kings chapter 6, the prophet Elisha is playing a large role in the life of Israel. There's a Syrian army that's coming, great numbers. And the servant of Elisha comes out and he says, Oh, prophet, Elisha, look around. The people are all around us. The enemy is vast. And Elisha, he prays. And he says, Lord, open his eyes that he may see. Open his eyes so that he can see the reality of this situation. And thankfully, God listens to the prophet's prayer, and that servant's eyes are open, and guess what? He begins to look around, and you know what he sees? Not just the enemy. He sees the chariots of fire, and he recognizes that just as the prophet had declared, there, there was more on their side than on the enemy's side. In other words, the armies of God was greater than the armies of the enemy. So we just had to see. He, they were there all the time, but it was kind of like, open their eyes. So when I say, Lord, give us vision, it is more of a statement of, Lord, for us as temple, for us as a community of God right here in this place, would you just open our eyes to what you have for us? Would you open our eyes to the vision and to the mission that you have laid out? And hopefully and prayerfully, he can open our eyes as we look at 1 Thessalonians chapter 1. 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, these first 10 verses, I think, help us capture the vision and the mission that God intends for us. I want to give us an overview of it today. And then over the next few weeks, I'm going to come back and I'm going to dig into various parts of 1 Thessalonians and talk about different components of the vision and the mission. But this is how it's laid out for us in the first 10 verses. Paul, Silvanus, and Timothy, to the church of the Thessalonians and God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, grace to you and peace from God. Always just a greeting that you find in Scripture, but don't miss this. You got to have grace before you can have peace. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. We give thanks to God always for you all, making mention of you in our prayers, remembering without ceasing your work of faith, labor of love, and patience of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ in the sight of our God and Father, knowing, beloved brethren, your election by God. For our gospel did not come to you in word only, but also in power, and in the Holy Spirit, and in much assurance, as you know what kind of men we were among you for your sake. And you became followers of us and of the Lord, having received the word in much affliction, with joy of the Holy Spirit, so that you became examples to all in Macedonia and Achaia who believe. For from you the word of the Lord is sounded forth, not only in Macedonia and Achaia, but also in every place. Your faith toward God has gone out so that we do not need to say anything. 
For they themselves declare concerning us what manner of entry we had to you and how you turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God and to wait for his son from heaven whom he raised from the dead. Even Jesus who delivers us from the wrath to come. So here you have Paul, Silvanus, or some translations may say Silas, and Timothy as they write to the church in Thessalonica. They write to them to encourage them and to give thanks to them. Now, Paul has a great relationship with the church at Thessalonica because as he was traveling around on what we call the second missionary journey with Silas and at that point Timothy, he founded the church in Thessalonica. The church was founded, according to Acts chapter 17, it was given life. They heard the word and they began to grow in the word. Paul was there for three Sabbaths in the synagogue, and he would reason with them. Why? Because a preacher always needs a congregation. And he would find a congregation, which again would be at the synagogue, and he would be able to preach to them, and he'd be able to teach. And he shared Christ with them, and how Christ was the fulfillment of the Old Testament, and how he was the fulfillment of the Messianic hope. Now, why did he go there? Because God had called him there. If you remember, in the book of Acts, Paul is about his business And God gives him a call. It's the Macedonian call. It's the Macedonian who would call out to Paul and say, Paul, come over here and help us. Paul would go into that area of Macedonia and Greece and he would evangelize there in the commercial and political capital of the area. He went in and he preached and he shared with them and they came to faith. Listen to this. He gives thanks for what God has done. And he gives thanks specifically for their growth. Let me, again, look at this first portion of our vision and mission statement that we bring to you today. We exist, we exist for every member to be growing in Christ. I think that is a statement that we need to make at the beginning of this year is why do we exist? One of the reasons we exist is to see every member, every individual growing in Christ. Is that not what they were doing? The church of Thessalonica was growing in Christ. It says that they heard the word, they followed the word, and then they became examples. See the progression? They heard, they followed, and they became examples. So they heard the word. So here they are in Thessalonica. Paul's beginning to preach. The Holy Spirit comes in power and strength. And it says through assurance and through conviction that they hear the word and they receive the word. They welcome it into their lives. Not just as the word of man, but as the word of God. And we'll see how Paul will flesh that out in the rest of this letter. How he'll talk about their reception of the word. But this morning, for this overview, let's just hear. They heard and they received the word. Now, sometimes we hear things, but we don't necessarily welcome things. We hear things, but we don't necessarily receive things. You get many calls, kind of on that phone, may say unknown. You know what I've noticed lately? I can call myself. I never believed that could happen. But I've actually looked down at my phone and I would be calling myself. Now, we used to talk about people who would talk to themselves. And now, 
We got people that can call themselves on their cell phones. It's amazing. I'll pick it up. I'll see what Reggie has to say. And you know what Reggie's always trying to tell me? My car warranty's out. I didn't realize that my warranty went out as quickly as it did. I felt like I'd had a warranty for some time. But I mean, I will be reminded so often that I've allowed that warranty to expire. And they will tell me all about it. You know, I listen sometimes to their word, to what they have to say. Sometimes, not all the time. But I usually don't welcome their word. I usually don't receive it too well. You know, and and, and there's several people. I mean, they call sometimes to help me on my warranty. Sometimes they help me on my credit card because obviously I need a new credit card or something like that. And There are all kinds of reasons that people will call because they're just trying to help me. You get those calls every now and then, huh? And again, sometimes it's yourself calling you to help you through that. You don't necessarily welcome those calls. You hear it, but you're like, no, I'm not going to receive that. I remember when I was back in Picayune, I would look at the caller ID and it would say something like Grover Childs, which was a member of our church. And I love Grover, but I loved his wife, Lorraine Moore, because when you pulled up to her table, it was like heaven's banquet. So she would call or he would call and say, hey, Brother Reggie, you put in a long week. Why don't you come and eat supper with us tonight? And I would say, you're right, I have worked hard this week, and I believe I ought to come and be able to eat with you and minister to you in your home. I would answer her phone call every time. Never would I just push reject. Never would I just allow the phone to keep ringing. Why? Because I wanted to hear from Miss Lorraine. I wanted to hear, and I wanted to eat at her table. By the way, We're talking about growing in Christ. She helped me grow a lot those first few years of my marriage. Ten pounds per year for the first four years, she helped me. There's a lot more of me for you to love because of Lorraine Childs. I promise you that. Growing in Christ, you have to hear and you have to receive. The people at Thessalonica, they heard the word, but they received it. They recognized that it was God's word. And then they followed. That's what the Bible says. It says that you became followers of us. Follower. The Greek word is mimetes, which, listen to it, mimetes, gives you the English word mimic. Hear it? That you became mimickers of us. That you mimicked us and the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, when I was younger and I heard the word mimic, I thought of it in negative ways. I thought about the idea of mocking somebody, mimicking somebody. You know, it would kind of happen every now and then. I go ahead and confess to you, and I say it happened rarely because I think my mother is watching. She usually does Sunday morning. But sometimes, rarely, I would, you know, hear my mother say a few things, and then she would turn and she would walk away, And I would find this natural inclination to mimic her. You ever? Like she would tell me certain things and then she would walk away and it was like. You ever? 
You know, you, you never did anything like that, right? You never, like, you know, only rarely, mama, if you're listening, only rarely did I do. I would think of that like that's what I'm doing, mocking, mimicking. That's kind of negative. That's kind of bad. Like, idiot, you should not do that to your mama, ever. I've learned. I've grown. Do not do that to your mama. But that's a mi- mimic. You're going to mimic somebody. Listen. Listen to what Paul said. Paul said, you heard the word. You've received it, and then all of a sudden, you started mimicking our lives and, more importantly, the life of the Lord Jesus Christ. You see, this is growth. This is progression. Like you hear, but then you begin to follow. You begin to grow in your life. It's like taking a first step, but then taking the consequential steps afterwards. You and I are are formed as believers to grow in Christ. We are destined. That's what God wants in your life. I promise you that I can say this with assurance, that God wants you to grow in him. And you cannot be just simply settled because you've taken a first step. I remember my kids' first steps. I go back to Abigail and the first child, and when she made her first step, we thought she never would walk. Like it was like month 13. And Leslie was like, is something wrong? Have we got it? I said, I don't know. I've never done this before. I've never seen. Well, is there some? I don't know, Leslie. I'm in the same boat you are. You know, we can call somebody. I ask people. Third, we didn't know she's going. When she finally took her first step, you talk about a moment of excitement and celebration. Like we took pictures of it. We're like, come on, let's reenact. We got to come, come back. Pictures, maybe a video. Because she took her first step. It was awesome. I went around church that next few Sundays, and I said, hey, you know my, like, my daughter, Abigail. You know Abigail, like the brilliant, beautiful one. She took the first step. And I would tell people, yes, I would. But how appropriate would that have been, say, three years later? Three years later to come back and say, you know, Abigail took her first step. Some of you would look at me like, I thought she already did that. She did. She took her first step three years ago. It was awesome. Church members would have looked at me like, you are nuts. Why? Because in three years, you would have expected her to take more than one step. You would have thought that after the first step, she would have taken a second, a third, fourth. You would hope by now that she was walking. You would hope. Let me say this. Many of you have taken the first step to follow Christ in faith, and that is great. We celebrate with you. But three years into your journey, you need to have taken many other steps as you follow him. It's not just about the celebration. Oh, yeah, you're saved. You took the first step. It is about continuing to grow in Christ. The church at Thessalonica, they had heard, they had received the word, but then they followed. They started walking. They were emulating the lives of the disciples and the life of Jesus Christ. And in this progression, the Bible says that they became examples. Examples in what? Verse 3 says, your work of faith, labor of love, patience of hope. Paul loves those three virtues. Faith, love, and hope. And he says, you become examples of those. Because you heard, 
and you grew to follow and you grew to become examples as you were immolating Christ. You've heard me say over the last seven years or so that the goal of every believer is simply this, to look more like Jesus every day. That's really the goal. The goal for me is not to get you to read your Bible more, get you to uh, pray more, get you to do this. My goal is for you to look more like Christ every day. Now, I will tell you, reading the scripture, praying, all the spiritual disciplines, they help get you there. They're just not ends in themselves. You are to become more like him and look more like him. So the question is, have I grown? Am I growing in Christ? Hey, let's do this. Do you look more like Christ January the 10th of 2021 than you did on January the 10th of 2020? Do you look more like him? If you haven't taken another step, then there needs to be a renewal, a recommitment. There needs to be intentionality to grow. You know, what I recognized in this as I was working through this passage is that they were growing rather quickly. I have preached this passage before. I've studied it before. I had never really connected this before. That Paul was writing to the Thessalonians just a few months after he had been there. He was actually down in Corinth, southern Greece, when he was writing. He was still on this journey. So just a few months later, he's writing to them. So in a few months, in just a few months, they had gone from hearing and receiving to like exponential growth in their Christian life. I mean, they were growing. It was like they were rocketing in their faith. And in their service, they had made remarkable progress in only a few months. That's amazing. And yet, you and I can make remarkable progress. They were growing in spite of the opposition that was around them. We're going to talk more about this as we move through the letter. But when Paul went in and he preached, it brought great opposition. Read Acts chapter 17. The mob will come looking for Paul. They'll not find him. They'll find Jason. And it'll be, there is such pushback and hostility toward the gospel. And yet they were growing in Christ no matter what the opposition and the culture. This is a place where God hit me between the eyes this week. God reminded me that no matter what's going on in our culture, no matter what's going on in our communities and in our families, he expects us to keep growing in our faith and in our trust in him. He expects us to keep growing. They, they had turned from idols, some of them, to God. They had given themselves to God freely, and it had caused all kinds of things And the community of Thessalonica had pushed back against them. And yet they kept growing. See, this is, this is where I said God hit me between the eyes because I was like, all right, now God, I know, like, I know I'm supposed to be growing in Christ, but God, have you seen what's going on? Like, we're in a pandemic. Can I get a break? 
God, can you see what's going on in our culture? Can you, would you? And God was like, no. There is no excuse for you to stop growing. I don't care what comes around in community. I don't care what is thrown at you. You are to grow. And more importantly, or I should say just as importantly, I as a pastor and the leaders of this church, we are charged with helping our people grow in Christ. It does not end just like that. I say they were growing quickly, but I do not mean to infer that they were growing simply in a microwave type of experience. You cannot microwave Christian growth. You can't say, okay, I need all I need to know and I need a boom, be there within about the next 30 seconds. God, if you can do this right now, that way I've got time. And that's not the way it happens. It happens deliberately. They were following. They were becoming examples if you notice the way we frame this, growing in Christ, the ing at the end of that verb, grow, is to indicate that it is a constant effort. It is a constant journey. Like you have not arrived, I have not arrived. We are all in the process of growing. One of my first churches. I had an older lady that approached me, and we were talking one day after church, and I said, hey, did you know that we're having a Bethmore Bible study? You ought to join that, you ought to join that class. There's a good group that's taking this study. You ought to do, do that. I'll never forget, she looked at me, and she said, oh, Brother Rage, I don't need that. I said, really? She said, oh, look, I'm 60-so years old. Do you know how many Bible studies I've been a part of already? I pretty much know everything about the Bible. I pretty much, I pretty much kind of got all that. I, I probably could teach some of that, but I really don't really need a study of it anymore. I've been there. I kid you not, that's what she said. Now, I was like 23 or 24, and I wasn't as mature as some of you all. I had not gotten the wisdom as a pastor or so. I, I mean, I just looked at her like I was stunned. I had never like heard anybody like just say something like this. I looked at her, and I was like... Um, uh, you, you, don't, you, don't, you don't need a Bible study? No, I tell you, I've been in church all my life. I've already heard all that stuff. And I'm like, really? See, I, 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 I'm only 23 or so. And look, I know I haven't arrived yet. But even when I get 63, I don't think I will have arrived. I don't think I'll be. I think I'll probably still be learning a little bit or so. I was kind of looking at her like, Get thee behind me, Satan. As a matter of fact, the more I got to know her while I was there as pastor, she was like Satan incarnate. But anyway, I was kind of like, get thee behind me. I kid you not, that's a story for another day. But anyway, listen, you and I never arrive. We never arrive. The only time, the time that you are going to be in the fullness of Jesus Christ is when you stand before his presence in heaven itself. That is going to be the moment where your growth is finally complete and you are in him. But while you are in this journey here on this earth, you are to be growing in Christ. You are to be hearing and following and becoming the examples. There has to be progress in your life. And listen, God is on our side he is there to provide every resource for us so that we can grow. 
So we exist to see every member growing in Christ. We exist to see every member connecting in community. Connecting in community. So Paul writes, along with Silas and Timothy, and notice in verse 1 it says, to the church, to the church of the Thessalonians. The word church in the Greek New Testament is ekklesia. Some of you may be familiar with that terminology, ekklesia. You've seen it used. It meant assembly. It meant gathering. It actually could be used in other New Testament forums to talk about the local gathering of people, even in political and uh, democratic type of Greek circles that would bring people together in a gathering. But here, this is a unique Christian body. This is a church, ecclesia. If you were to break it down, it also means the called out ones. The called out ones. He writes to the church. The word church almost always refers to a local body of believers. Now, I believe that there is a universal church. I do. I believe that there's a universal church of believers from different centuries, from different nations, that there has been the church. I do believe in that. But if you look at the New Testament, 90 plus times out of the 100 or so that it's used, it refers to a local group of baptized believers. A local group, identifiable. In other words, you knew, like, this is part of the church. This, that person. It's not a building, because they didn't have buildings back then. It wasn't some type of campus. You would talk about the individuals, the gathering, the assembly of people, of flesh and blood together. And notice, he says, when he's praying for them, he's, or giving thanks, he's giving thanks for you all, because he's talking about them corporately, together as a body. Verse 4, he says, knowing beloved Brethren, he uses familial language, brethren, because it's like the church is the family. You find a community, you find a family. When we say that we want to be involved in connecting in community, we want people to connect in authentic biblical community. I'll flesh it out more in the days to come, but just hear this. You and I are made for relationship. You and I are formed with a desire in our heart to live in relationship with others. And for the church, it is a place where you connect in relationship. How important. Hey, as we look at the last year, how important it is for the people, flesh and blood, gathering together. I'm encouraged because over the last few days, some of our older members have called me. They're getting their vaccines. And do you know how many of them are so ready to get back to church? It's been like a year since some of them have been here with us. Do you recognize how important it is to connect with community? I am grateful that we've had the technology that we've had. I'm grateful that we can reach out with live stream in other areas. But listen to me. Listen to me this morning. Online will never take the place of on campus. 
Some years ago at Zachary, we had a television ministry, and I remember saying that the television ministry would never take the place of the people of God coming together to connect with one another. I used to tell them, like some of the other churches in Baton Rouge, they would have a, a, a church where you could, if you were on TV, all you got to do, you might live 400 miles away. All you got to do, though, is call them, and you can be a part of that church. And that's great. That sounds great. But that is not what the local church was supposed to be. And there's some that are watching television, maybe this Sunday morning, they're watching me. And I'm going to tell you, grateful that you watch Temple. I appreciate your encouragement. I appreciate your letters. Not so much the critiques, but I like everything else. But I tell you this, if you're watching TV and you, this is your church, you need to find a local church, not Temple. You need to find a local church wherever you are to serve the Lord Jesus Christ. Because it's not about a TV, because this is it. Through the years, I will tell you, that when you connect with the community, when you connect with real people, they are there for you no matter what goes on. A television will never hug you. A computer can never give you the pat on the back or the encouragement. But when your son dies, guess what? There are people that step up around you and they say, we're here there for you and we're praying for you and we know you and we love you. When you get a cancer diagnosis, there they are for you. When your wife leaves you, there's some people there that are, that are helping you walk through it because that's what it's about, connecting in community. Around Christmas, my family experienced some difficulty. I didn't come out and talk all about it because I didn't want to create a lot of stuff because I knew people loved us and they would do things for us. I understood that. But we were going through a difficult time. And Christmas Day, we had gone, and thanks to some church members, we were able to eat with them and have time with them. And I looked at my kids on Christmas Day afternoon, and I said to them, you never forget the people that were there for you. You never forget that the believers of the Lord Jesus Christ will rally around you every time. Yes, there will be days when the church will disappoint you. There will be days when you are disgusted with the way things are. I promise you I've been there before. But there's nothing like the people of God coming and saying, we're there for you and we will help you and we will struggle with you through this. And you never forget that. I'll tell you, never forget that. I know some of you are in college ministry and doing things right now. Never let the devil talk you out of being disconnected from the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. They had a church, visible group, they were beloved brethren. They were family. I pray every day that people would find here family and they would connect. And listen, it's not just about attending. Tony Evans put it this way. He said, being connected does not just simply mean church attendance either. Attendance only is simply attachment. Church membership is attachment accompanied by fellowship and service that gives you a chance to rub shoulders of people that love you. Part of the family, connecting in community. Let me just say this finally. We exist to see every member growing in Christ, connecting in community, but engaging in mission. Verse 3 said it was work. It was labor. In other words, they were working and they were serving. They were examples. Hey, the word example, I didn't call attention to it a moment ago, but the word example in the Greek is the Greek tupon, tupon. You might hear the English word type, like a typewriter, type that comes out of it. You are an example, you are a type. 
What's cool about this is I've done this study. Is that word tupon or type was used to describe the scars in Jesus' hands. His type, his marks. When I think about that, that we are the examples, we are the type, we basically bear the marks of Jesus Christ. And just as that hammer was raised to drive the nail into his hands, just as that hammer made a decisive blow, I'm going to tell you that when you come into Christ, the Holy Spirit strikes a decisive blow upon who you are and you are never the same and you bear his marks and you become his examples. The people in Thessalonica, those who had believed they were bearing the marks, they were examples. Oh, they had a testimony. Look at this, verse 8. For from you the word of the Lord is sounded forth. The word there is to echo. It's the idea that their testimony had echoed, had just continued to ring forth all around the area. Macedonia, back over to Philippi and Berea, they had heard of the faith of the Thessalonians. Down in Greece, Achaia, Athens, Corinth, they had heard about the Thessalonians. Why? Because they were engaging in mission. They weren't keeping their faith to themselves. They were living faith out in Thessalonica and in every area that they went into. And you and I are called to live on mission, engage mission. I love the way Peter, I mean, uh, Paul says this because Paul says that it goes forth so much it's like we don't have to say a word. Now, Paul wasn't going to stop preaching. It wasn't going to happen. But he uses hyperbolic language to basically say, your message and your testimony is so much, it's like we don't have to say anything. Because they were living, they were engaging in mission. You and I are called to engage in mission. For how long? Till he returns. They're waiting the return of Jesus, if you look in verse 10. They're living, they're working, they're achieving the mission. God has given you a specific mission and purpose. He's given you a mission. He's given you a mission in your workplace. He's given you a mission on the campus of Louisiana Tech University. He's given you a mission in your school campuses across this area. He's given you a mission in your family. And we want to see you engaging in that mission. Lord, give us vision. Help us to achieve what you want us to achieve. Lord, help us. Help us, Lord, that we're growing in your son, Christ. Lord, help us that we are connecting in your community. Lord, help us as we are engaging in the mission. That's our prayer that we would open our eyes and give us the strength this 2021 to fulfill his work. Let me ask you today, do you need to just stop and recommit, renew yourself before the Lord? There were days when you were growing, but really right now you stifled that growth because of some things in your life. You just need to repent. You need to get back on the track of growth.
Today, you'd be honest, you've kind of isolated yourself from people. You need community and God's just shown you that. Would you hear a new commitment to the mission? Maybe some of you need to come and say, we want to officially join here and be a part of this church. That's great. That's awesome. We'll welcome you. and We want you to be a part of the family. But what we want to see you do is fulfill God's vision for your life. So in a moment, I'm going to give an invitation. I'll be here if you want to talk about it. Others around here, maybe just want to pray. Maybe a moment of commitment, recommitment. Not resolve, not resolutions, because resolutions can change so quickly. I'm talking about commitment today here in this place. Commitment to his vision. Let's pray together. Father, I come to you and I thank you for these moments. And we have felt your presence. I've certainly felt your power here this morning. God, I pray first for those who may not know you, that they might come to be saved, that they'd hear and they would receive. God, for those of us who are believers, and there are a lot of believers, there are a lot of my family members, a lot of my church members, a lot of my people that are here with me today. And God, I pray and I thank you for them and how I see so much work in their lives. But God, I pray that you would put us on a different plane, a greater vision this year, and that we would grow in you and we would connect with others and Lord, we'd just engage in the mission you've put forth. God, allow this invitation to be a moment of commitment for that and to you. In Jesus' name.